All right, hey y'all, this is Pastor Andrew here. This morning's gonna look a little different than normal. Um, I'm considering this less of a sermon and more of a, just a conversation. Uh, I don't know that I have a ton of answers for you this morning or declarations. Um, really, there's just been some things I've been wrestling with a little bit and I just wanna put it on the table this morning for you as, as well. And uh, so, so let me kind of set the context for this. You know, I've been thinking about the kingdom of, of God a lot, um, especially as we've been in the series of First Thessalonians, which is really pointing towards Christ's return when he would ultimately set up his kingdom. And I just got done reading this really great book called Seek First um, by a guy named Jeremy Treat. Uh, Seek First, How the Kingdom of God Changes Everything. I'd really recommend this book. It's uh, incredible. Should have finished it up probably two months ago, but I've not been a great reader the last two months. Other stuff happening, you know. But thinking about the kingdom, you know, it's 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 come. The kingdom has come, but it's not yet fully realized. I mean, you think about, you know, Jesus, when he came, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, here it is. It's near. Uh, he represented the kingdom of heaven. And yet, um, when his disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, one of the things he said, a core part of the Lord's Prayer, what we know as the Lord's Prayer was, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So your kingdom is here, and yet we're praying for your kingdom to come. And so there's this tension that we live in between the already and the not yet of God's kingdom. And so because of his kingdom not yet fully coming, we as people on this earth are going to deal with, that we're going to face or experience pain and, and grief and brokenness. It's just part of life on earth until Christ returns. And so as the people of God, until he does return, we've got to become a people who are good or a people who learn how to lament, learn how to mourn, uh, to lament or to mourn, typically when we think of those ideas, and those are really some synonymous terms. Here, here's another one is to grieve. When you think about grieving, we usually grieve the loss of, of something or someone. And I've just been thinking about this idea of, of mourning and lamenting and grieving because this is kind of a lost art in our culture. It's a lost art in the church. That what it means to lament, it, it, it means not just to complain, okay, which we all are pretty good at as Americans. Um, we know how to do that just fine. To lament is not just complaining, but it's crying out to God with honesty and authenticity and really like a vulnerability. It, it's, it's bringing our, our, our complaints and our feelings and our emotions and our struggles and our grief to God. In fact, roughly a third of the Psalms written in the Bible are Psalms of lament. There's even a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. It's all about the prophet Jeremiah who was lamenting. I mean, we see this all throughout the scripture. And just because we are, we are saved from our sin and just because we have a hope in Christ does not mean we're not going to deal with grief and pain and brokenness. In fact, we may be more acutely aware of pain and grief and brokenness because of our relationship with Christ. And so we've got to get, we've, we've, we've got to learn how to lament and to mourn because we just don't do this well in our culture. 
We just don't. And in the church, we don't as well. We're good at singing joyful songs and we're, we're good at celebrating, and, and which we should. We talked about it last week. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, rejoice always. And yet mourning and lamenting has got to be a part of our life if we're going to have a healthy, healthy life. Because what we do, we tend to, rather than mourn and lament and grieve, we suppress and we ignore and we march on and we put on a tough face, we put on a happy face and, and we don't mourn. And Ecclesiastes 3, let me just give you a couple of verses here. Ecclesiastes 3, written by Solomon, wisest man who ever lived. Ecclesiastes 3, you're probably familiar with this. Verse 1, for everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Everything in life moves in seasons. And he says in verse number four, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Our preference is that life would be all about dancing. I mean, maybe not literally. I'm a terrible dancer. I don't like dancing, but I want life to be about pleasure and joy and to be fun. And what the writer, what Solomon says is there's a time for that. There's a time for dancing, but there's a time for mourning as well. And you can't live life in this zone and, and act like this doesn't exist or that you don't need this. You need to dance, but you need, there's a time for mourning. In fact, as you move a little further in Ecclesiastes chapter seven, it says, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. What he, what he says here is it's better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a party. Why? Because it's more fun? No, none of us would ever claim that. But he says the living will lay it to heart. In other words, when you, when you mourn, rather than just celebrate and party, he says you, you, you reflect. It causes you to look inward and to, to not run from your emotions and run from grief, but to run into them, to embrace them. It, it means coming to God and not having any answers, but laying all of your stuff and your emotions and your feelings and your wrestling, laying it all on the table and letting God help you sort it out. This is what it means to lament and to mourn. It doesn't mean figuring everything out, but giving everything to God and, and sitting in that space. He says that the heart of the wise will mourn, will go to the house of mourning, but the foolish and all they want is to be in the house of mirth. All they want is pleasure. But he says what, what happens when you mourn is that wisdom emerges. The heart of the wise goes to the house of, of mourning. When we come out of mourning and when we, when we spend time in lament, what happens is wisdom emerges from that. It's not all fun and games. It's not just all about mirth. It's not just about the house of feasting. It's about, it's about wisdom. You know, and again, in our culture, this is a lost art. It's either feast or famine. We just want to feast and have fun and pleasure. But the Lord tells us we've got to learn to lament as the people of God. And, and just think about it right now. There's a lot to mourn. 
you know, maybe you don't think about it this way, but there's a lot of things that we could mourn right now. For some of us, it's been several months of, we, you know, we've lost what, you know, any sense of normality. And maybe some of us need to grieve that. Uh, for some of you, you know, you're graduating seniors from high school or, or college, and you're losing out on that, that culmination, that celebration of, of all this, these years of hard work. And it feels like a loss, man. You need to, you need to just not push through it. Maybe you need to mourn or grieve that loss. For some, it's the loss of, of, of work or your job or your income. And, and so there's some grief there. For many of us, it's community, a relationship. We're, we're feeling the, the weight of, of relationships that we, we don't have right now. Maybe it's big plans that you had or things that have been put aside that you've, you've, you've lost. You know, we, we, we think of mourning as losing people, and that's very true. But sometimes I, I think what we miss is that the opportunity to mourn the loss of something, something in our, our life. You know, I just have recently been looking back at um, things that have happened on this day, you know, a year ago. And I, I love to always see what hap has happened through the years on this day. You know, we do Time Hop is the app that we kind of use, but it showed a year ago. Um, and my wife just today posted, um, uh, posted pictures. Today's Friday as I'm recording this. She posted pictures of our kids, you know, first day of school, last day of school. And a year ago, she had done the same thing. We were still in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, at that point, we were making plans to come here to, to South Carolina. And, and um, you know, as I saw the, those images from last year, uh, there was this weird sense that came over me that uh, um, you know, we came out of the season and um, we never mourned. I think one of the things we miss out on as people is every new season, it might be the start of something new and exciting and we have a lot to gain, but we're also losing some things. We're also leaving some things behind. And I think it would serve us well if we would actually mourn those things that we've, we're losing. And uh, and again, I'm just processing a lot of stuff, you know, over these last few weeks. And um, this is one of those things where I don't know that I, our family or myself personally, or me and my wife, fully mourned some of the good things and relationships um, that we were leaving behind. We were excited for the stuff we were going to and the things we were going to gain as we came here, but... But man, we've, we've had to say goodbye to some certain things that were very significant pieces of our lives and even for my kids. So maybe I need to mourn some things, you know? What, what, uh, what I want to do is I want to spend a couple minutes, um, and I don't know how to do this again. I'm, again, I don't have answers this morning as, as much as I have questions and and things to consider. Um, I want to mourn, or I've been in the process of trying to figure out how to mourn and lament for three different men that have died over the last few weeks. The three really high profile um, deaths in our world in, in different ways. Three very different men and stories and lives that were represented, but all very significant. 
One is a, a, a young man by the name of Ahmad Arbery, who was a young African-American male who was shot and killed. Another one is a man named Darren Patrick, who was a um, you know, middle-aged 49-year-old Caucasian male who was a pastor, uh, actually pastored in our state at Seacoast Church in Charleston who died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound just a couple weeks ago. Whether or not that was um, intentional or accidental, we're not sure, but there's been a lot of pastors who have taken their own life in the last few years. And so that is, um, you know, that is a safe assumption that it was intentional rather than accidental. That was a second death that happened. The third death was just this week, and a man named uh, Ravi Zacharias, who was a, uh, an older uh, Indian man who was a follower of Christ, who, was, who spent his life as an apologist. In other words, uh, he spent his, his, um, his profession was defending the faith, contending for the faith, and equipping followers of Jesus to defend their faith. He was a brilliant man and he died of cancer, a short bout with cancer this, this, uh, this past week here. So three very different men, very ethnically diverse men, represents the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of, of God is gonna look like with all tribes and tongues and nations gathered around the throne, worshiping the God who created them. And yet, all three of these deaths, each death reveals to us, once again, it reminds us that the kingdom has not yet fully come. Has not fully come, because in the case of Ahmad Arbery, again, 25-year-old young African-American who was, who was shot, gunned down, killed. Uh, and, and you know, I, I, I don't often speak to political matters, but this is not a political matter. This is a gospel matter. This is a gospel issue. This is a matter of injustice. This is a matter of injustice that unfortunately is, has been the story over the last number of years in our country. This, this whole theme of racial reconciliation. And I feel an obligation, a responsibility as a Caucasian, uh, a white male pastor, leader, um, to speak out on this. This is, this is injustice, and this is nothing new to our country. And it's a reminder to us that the kingdom has not yet fully come because God is a God of justice, and He's called us to be a people of justice, to do justice as we walk humbly with our God. And so this is, this is a, a, a gospel issue. And um, the heart of the gospel is reconciliation, not just between God and man, but between all different ethnicities and nationalities of people. This is what God has called us to. This is what the kingdom of heaven is all about, is reconciliation. It's about justice. And when the kingdom of God fully comes, there will be finally and forever justice on earth as it is in heaven. And so for Ahmad, this is a case of injustice. For Darren, man, as a, as a pastor, 
I mean, every time there's a situation like this, the death of a pastor, it, it breaks my heart. This, this is one that touches me because it's my profession. It's my livelihood. And, and every time, you know, every leader carries a certain weight upon them. There's a certain loneliness that comes with leadership. But in the church world, for pastors in particular, there's a unique level of loneliness and discouragement and attack that happens for spiritual leaders. We talked about this a couple weeks ago and how we're to honor them and pray for them. And, and uh, my heart breaks every time this happens. Um, Darren Patrick started a church. He planted a church in St. Louis, Missouri called the Journey Church. Um, there was a connection even for, for our family, for me, when we were in a season in 2015 trying to figure out what God had for us. We were weighing different options, and one of them I had applied to, be a, to serve as a pastor at the Journey Church in St. Louis under the leadership of Darren Patrick. And what happened is in that space of time, he ended up getting removed from that role um, because of some sin in his life, some pride and some other indiscretions that led to him being removed from that role. Um, and it was the right thing to do for the church and for him. And, and yet he went through a process of restoration, being biblically restored to the ministry over a course of a few years. Came on staff uh, at Seacoast. He was under um, the leadership and authority and restoration process with Pastor Greg Sherratt at Seacoast and has served there the last couple years. And uh, man, I looked to him. I didn't know him personally, but was somebody that influenced me greatly in the gospel that I looked up to. And, uh, and so that one's hit me a little more personally than, than maybe some of these other ones. Um, but there was maybe a deep-seated pain going on inside of him that reminds us we, we all go through pain and heartache. And, and, and maybe there's mental health issues and those things that touch us as well, and maybe touched him loneliness and all these things that remind us that the kingdom of God hasn't fully come yet. Because when the kingdom comes, those things will be eradicated. Ravi Zacharias was a guy who didn't maybe directly influence me as much. I didn't sit under his teaching or anything like that. And, but I think indirectly I was influenced by him and certainly have always respected and admired his work for the kingdom of God and for the gospel. And so the, the church and the world feels his loss as well this week. And so there's these different deaths that have taken place. And each of these deaths represents a human life lost. And each life represents a sacred being full of dignity and worth and value because God created each one of these men in his own image. And so with that comes this intrinsic value and worth and dignity. Every single one of us, you have value and worth because you were created in the image of God. You have the imprint of your maker upon your soul. And so every time a life is lost, well, it's through being killed or through suicide or through the natural process of, of deterioration of the body. Man, it's a reminder that the kingdom has not yet fully come. 
And at the same time, when we mourn, when we lament, it's not a bad thing. It's not a weak thing. What it is, is it's showing that we are yearning for the kingdom to come. Romans 8 says that our spirits groan within us until the renewal of all things, the restoration of all things. And when we mourn, when we lament, when we cry out to God about injustice or about um, our, our grief over our death, what we're doing is we're yearning for God's kingdom to come because that's when all things will be made new, when all things will be made right. Rabbi Zacharias, he, he says this, in Christianity, the essence of each and every person, the individual reality of each life is sacred. It is sacred because intrinsic value has been given to us by our Creator who, revealed, who has revealed Himself in the starry skies and upon a nail-scarred cross. Each of these three men have intrinsic value you have intrinsic value and worth because you were created in the image of your Creator, God. And to mourn for any or all of these three men, to mourn for a loss of a loved one in your life, to mourn at the loss of something in your life is to, it's to yearn for kingdom come. Jeremy Treat, um, you know, I want to read this quote from him, again, from this, this book that I want to recommend to you, See for, Seek First. Seek First, which is about how the kingdom of God changes everything. He said this, This world offers much to enjoy, but when Jesus returns, He will bring the fullness of His peace, joy, and blessings. We should therefore long for His return, especially when the creation and its people ache and groan for renewal, we ought to pray the final prayer of Scripture. Come, Lord Jesus, when lives are taken through another senseless shooting. Come, Lord Jesus, when a hurricane or tsunami devastates a whole community or country. Come, Lord Jesus, when another case of sexual abuse comes to our attention. Come, Lord Jesus, if we truly believe what the Bible says about the eternal joy of the kingdom of God, we should be a people who yearn for the return of Christ. Even the greatest joys of this world, loving, laughing, eating, playing, even the greatest joys of this life are just an appetizer on the way to the banquet of God's eternal kingdom. The very last prayer of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, the spirit and the bride say, come. We are the bride of Christ, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ. It's the very last prayer in the next to the last verse in scripture, Revelation 22, verse 20 says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It is the final prayer of scripture and it should be the prayer of our heart in lament and in mourning that at, the, at the sign of injustice, at the sign of death, at the, at the loss of, of people and things in our life, when we, when we mourn, it's not a bad thing, it's not a weak thing, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing, it's a helpful thing for us because it's, it's a, a yearning for the kingdom to come, for the Lord Jesus to come soon.
Is there something in your life, someone or something that you need to mourn? Is there someone or something that you need to mourn? Maybe you lost someone and you kind of pushed through it or you suppressed it and you never allowed yourself to grieve because you, you wanted to be strong and yet your strength is not found in ignoring or suppressing reality. It's found in mourning and lamenting and acknowledging Christ in the midst of your grief. Is there someone or something that you need to lament in your life? And I want to do this. I want to take one minute right now to just pause and ask you to kind of bow your heads and pray, enter into a moment of prayer and quiet before the Lord and ask him. Maybe you just went through something or maybe it's something from a year ago. Maybe it's something from years ago that you never allowed yourself to enter into mourning over. Lord, is there someone or something that I need to lament? Someone or something that I need to mourn in my life this week? And here's what I want to ask you to do, that if God has revealed anything to your heart this morning, would you respond in obedience to Christ this morning by setting aside this week one hour? I'm talking about put it on your calendar, put it down, set it aside, decide before this morning is over, I am going to on Wednesday afternoon or this evening or sometime this week, I'm going to for an hour spend time with the Lord in mourning and lament. That doesn't mean you have to pray and say things for an hour. It means you just sit in that space and you talk to him and allow him to, through his spirit, speak to you and you release things. You reflect with God. Would you commit to doing that this week? Because y'all, we need to be a people until Christ returns. We need to learn how to lament and to mourn well. And so God, today, I just thank you that you are a God who makes all things new, that we have the promise of your return, that though you have come and you have brought the kingdom near, it has not yet fully come. And so Lord, we continue to pray for your kingdom to come and we anticipate, we look forward to the time, the day, the moment when you would come and you would make all things new, you would restore all things when there would be no more tears, when there would be no more pain, there would be no, no more brokenness. But God, everything would be as you have intended it to be, that Eden would be restored, 
And so Lord, I pray that you would help us to lament this week as you have called us to help us to rest in that space and allow you to speak to our hearts and restore us and give us strength that we need that only comes from you. We pray in Jesus' name.